Hi, and welcome back to the Murphy Court podcast. This week, Rachel speaks to Stance Global co-founder, James Finley. These guys have known each other a long time. And his take on Brexit and those that we should be applauding is really interesting and something perhaps not everybody has really thought about. So I hope you enjoy. And also, just a quick apology for the cat trying to make a cameo this week. She feels like it's her turn to shine. of conversation today is around business change would you talk to us a little bit about what your experience of business change is well it's funny I I was looking back at all the sort of business change activities I've been involved with over the years but what is absolutely hysterical is um, I've collected a whole series of books and stuff over, uh, uh, from various of courses that I've done and um, it's like a cottage industry that I think's erupted. That various books are written about it, how complicated it all it, it all is. But the harsh reality is, it's really bloody simple. Um, it's basically around leadership, setting a vision, telling the staff, communicating, trying not to do it all yourself, um, and getting on and de- delivering it. I mean, you know, I de- I, I go into different organisations and. and there's usually some business change activity that's underway and there's sort of quite formal processes and various checklists you have to fo- sort of go through. But um, I don't think it's any more complicated than those three things. I think one of the challenges we have is that um, it's painted as some kind of mystic art, but but the reality is it isn't. And it's just, um, it's quite straightforward. Anyway, I guess that's the end of the podcast. We can move on. Thank you very much for joining us, James. I'm missing you already, Rachel. We'll, we'll move on to some more juicy, uh, juicier subjects, I think. I, um, it's interesting, as you started then, and you were saying about the uh, all the books on that, on business change, I was thinking, Christ, is he going to say he hasn't fucking read one of them? Uh, and I, for one awful moment, thought we uh, thought we might have to abort the, uh, abort the podcast early there, mate. That never happened, Rachel. We've always got something to talk about. But I mean, even even within all of those sort of books, some of them sort of are not short and sweet. Some are like War and Peace. But fundamentally, they all say the same thing. Um, and I think, you know, experience, you must have seen this. I mean, experience is that you get into a place and usually the um, poor soul that's been... Um, left to sort of deliver all of this um, doesn't have the patronage that they need above them who actually has painted a very clear view of the future can articulate it and worse nine times out of ten they don't believe it they're just doing it because they think they have to do it and what's fascinating is all the ones and they are literally a handful that I feel have been successful have boiled down to the fact that whoever's initiated the change is absolutely passionate, genuinely passionate, no bullshit, care about what they're delivering, and they care about what, what happens to the people. And more than that, not, not just um, care about the people, not, not that they don't make hard decisions and there isn't an impact, but they talk to them, and they talk to them 
you know, um, in a genuine, authentic way, and that they actually empower, because they can't deliver it themselves, um, and they empower those who are going to deliver it to get on and deliver it um, without long screwdriving, and, and, and that's very rare. Um, yeah. So it, it's just about leadership, basically. It's, um, it's, it's funny, as you were talking there, James, it reminds me of... Um, one of one of the most capable CEOs I've worked for, um, and I would say there's a big long list, but but I would be lying. Um, but but one of the really capable ones was uh, Jeff James, who is still CEO over at uh, National Archives. And I remember seeing Jeff pull the entire business together for a briefing about a restructure, um, and he was adamant he was doing the briefing. He was going to talk to his people. And he was going to lead, you know, the landing of some pretty hard messages. Um, and I've worked in many places where the top, you know, lady or, or gentleman would be missing in action uh, when when those tough conversations needed to uh, needed to happen. And I think you're right. You know, that leadership, either you know, the the, the top person is is leading and doing, or they provide the top cover to allow people like you and I. To get in and get things uh, get things rolling. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and I think the the um, when you have that, it makes a massive difference because um, you know you in all of these changes, sometimes you have to make extremely hard and ruthless decisions. And someone said to me that that's fine. You have to do that. That's life. That's business. But actually, you should always be compassionate in the execution. And that part of that is engaging with people and being absolutely honest with them, saying, this is why we're doing it. I absolutely hand on heart believe it. But, you know, this is going to be pretty hard. Um, and it's being honest with people because everyone's a grown up. They need to understand what the impacts are to them as individuals, you know. And, uh, and I feel... When you've got that, you've got a chance. When you walk into a place and, you know, as you say, they're missing in action, you might as well walk away. There's absolutely no point in even trying to do this. It is literally doomed to failure unless you can convince them to actually take part in, in the uh, uh, transformation and the business change and actually to, you know, step up. Um, yeah. I, won't, I won't say where, but there have been a few occasions when I've, oh, well, one notable where I was recruited into a role and the guy who recruited me was absolutely bloody awful. And one of the, one of the things I said, well, which is always a bold move. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to join unless you leave. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a nice technique interview. I find that. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he did. <laughs> and I joined and I did, I did, it did my thing. But I, I think you've got to be true to yourself. You know, look, if you believe that this is going to happen, if you feel that it's going to be done, um, it's going to be hard, and I'm, I don't believe in you, then there's no point in us sort of, um, you know, working together. But if you're up for it and, you're, you know, I can see in your eyes that actually you care and you're not nasty, um, well, it's all, it's all doable. It's, um, it's funny because um, I remember being interviewed for a role and um, I remember, uh, I remember saying at the time, you know, this will end one of two ways. You will bin me, or I will exit stage left in about eighteen months because you want disruptive, um, but you will only provide that top cover for a certain period because you know you can't contain that disruption 
it's like I always imagine it like a you know a trivial pursuit pie um, and and you going to get all pieces that are coming at you what you're not going to get is a couple that fancy being disruptive for an hour on a tuesday um and I, knew, then... I, knew, I knew i loved you rachel because <laughs> it is a pie it's not a slice of cake it's a pie well i mean let's not let's not be shy why would you bother with a slice of cake mate when there's a whole pie on offer exactly exactly so could you talk to us james about um one of the roles that you've done where you've delivered business change um, are you uh, are you happy to do that? I can talk. I won't say who it's with, but um, uh, yes. Um, uh, but it goes back to um, uh, what I said earlier. When you have a um, a chief exec or or some kind of leader who who is passionate, who's painted that clear vision and is engaging with the um, the, the business change. Um, it does make a difference. And, and it's one of the most recent examples of that. The chief exec came in. Um, he's been pretty brutal with the board, I have to say. Um, and uh, um, what is astonishing, though, is he's been um, quite kind around how he's gone it, but the, but the outcome's the same. And whilst he's extremely tough... Um, he, I've never heard him raise his voice. He's very articulate. He clearly explains to people why this change needs to happen and what the what the vision of the future is. And and actually, um, whilst he sort of rides me hard, not in the biblical sense, um, but he, uh, I, mean, I thought I thought this uh, I thought this podcast was taking a, a slight diversion there, mate. I, well, you never know. But but he 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 gives me the freedom to get on and do stuff uh, and and, uh, um, uh, and that makes a big difference as well because uh, and the teams as well always checks and uh, uh, what we're up to and um, uh, but he's allowed me to sort of get on and do things and as a result we've done absolutely remarkable things in in a very short period of time in fact six months and um, you know with another sort of six months to go but um that is again all down to um, individuals and personalities, and the fact that you have people who who are passionate about the work that they do. I, I mean, I go back to what I said right at the beginning. I don't think this stuff is really complicated. And um, whilst there's various scripts and checklists you can follow, um, at the end of the day, it's all common sense. You know, yeah. as an individual. You and I, if someone's doing something to us, um, hopefully they've got your permission in the first place. If, if you're not, have, if they have got that permission, at least they've sort of said what, what they're going to be getting up to. And you can make a choice. You've got a choice of whether you want to sort of, you know, um, you know, go down that road or not. And I think, you know, that's what you need to do in the business change activity. To say what's going to happen, say how it's going to happen, try and get people to engage with it. And have the honest conversations that if they can't, you know, will help you. And that's another key point, actually. When it's inevitable that people move on, uh, you know, and that's that's always a bit of a tricky one. But what's really good to have in the back of your mind that the people who stay and, the, you know, hopefully they're the people you want to stay, mm -hmm. um, they always judge you without fail on how you treat the people that leave. Because what it means is, is if you've if you've been a, an ass um, uh, as people have gone out the door, 
they're going to think, actually, do you know what? You're just going to do that to me. You don't give a monkey's about me. But if you treat people, you know, fairly uh, and honestly, they think, okay, well, fair enough, you know, um, and will actually be a bit more committed to the uh, to the job and the change that you're trying to uh, affect. And you should always have that in the back of your mind. Yeah, I uh, I, I would absolutely agree uh, agree with that. Uh, and I think the old kind of uh, mantra of treating people how you'd want to be treated yourself is uh, is key. Uh, and especially when there's business change stuff happening, you know, um, I think as as humans we struggle with that. Uh, you know, some of us like it more than others. But if you haven't got the buy-in and you don't know what's coming, then you know, by Christ, you're not going to be getting on board. No, exactly, exactly. And what what about lasting legacy? Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, once you kind of walk out the door, um, how do you make sure it sticks? How do you make sure that change um, sort of stands the test of time? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, well, I mean, I guess the biggest measure is, you know, what's the uh, right up front is what's the vision, what's the outcome, and that should be measurable in some kind of way. It might be a PL. It might be, well, I don't know, staff satisfaction. It might be sort of greater efficiency, financial or productivity, whatever it happens to be. I mean, those are the hard measures. But um, how it sticks, I guess it's, it does it achieve all of those things, but more importantly, does it transcend, you know, the personalities? So chief execs move on, transformation directors move on, you know, CIOs move on. Does the core things that they've tried to deliver in the business change does does that does that stay? That's how I guess that's how that's how you really measure it, you know. I, I, and that's a really tricky one for me because actually, when I sort of look back, it, it has worked in in a few, but it's very very personality driven. And I think part of the part of the the, the stickiness of the change is have you got the um, process in change for recruiting the sort of people that that can keep that change going. I mean, there was a back in sort of the late nineties and early two thousands. There's a big thing where you'd have this sort of big, you know, you'd unfreeze and then you freeze, and you know, you have these essentially these big changes. But I think it's 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 continuous now, particularly in this day and age. Everything changes so quickly. You've got to keep pace, so you've got to be changing all the time. And I think. I guess the stickiness is, are the people that stay after you've moved on, are they able to sort of maintain that sort of continuous sort of change um, process? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, um, it, you know, it's always about the people um, and you can put as, you know, as much new tech in, new processes, but if the people aren't going to buy into it, um, and, you know, a lot of the time that is the drive and the energy that comes from whoever's doing the transformation, uh, but it's it, you know the the longevity of that for me comes from the people taking it forward, uh, and it's it's an interesting one because unless you're going to go back in as an interim uh, and measure it, it's quite hard to quantify. Um, you know, uh, but 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 I was I was curious uh, curious how you'd looked at that. Well, at the end of the, it, it, it again, it boils down to: do people believe in? Have you, do they truly believe in their hearts? that this is something that's good? Is it something that they motivates them, gets them out of bed in the morning? 
um, to do a fantastic job each day. And if they truly believe that, then that, then the change will always be there. They'll always, you know, uh, deliver what needs to uh, be delivered for that organisation. So it's, 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 it really is hearts and minds. I mean, this is all sort of trite stuff, but, but it's true. I mean, you know, people are motivated by money. People are motivated by logic and everything else. But actually, we're more motivated by things that we truly believe in. And if we, we bought, if we bought into that heart, you know, body and soul, um, the change is, is enduring um, because they care. And if they don't, then it won't stick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And and James, from a personal standpoint, you know what makes you want to drive change rather than sit in a uh, in a business as usual role? I mean, I know you, so I kind of know the answer to this, but uh, I'm curious what you're going to say. Okay, well, let's, uh, write it down. Write it down, and then and then you can <laughs> hold it up, and we can we can check. I'll tell you why, because I get bloody bored. Um, and, and it is, goes back to what you said earlier. It is that, um, you know, when you've done sort of 12, 18 months, it can be too much for people and you need to have, I think we all have our role to play and I think there are um, characters like you and I who are sort of agitators and, um, you know, we will affect that change. We get bored really easily and um, and it's not good for the organisation. We know that. If we hang around, we're just going to become disruptive. And actually, um, you need to have stability because people need to have a break after they've done sort of like a sprint. They need to have a bit of a rest. Um, whereas we're more inclined to like, come on, right, what's the next thing? And, and actually, that can be detrimental to the organisations. Not all organisations, some need to be like that. But the majority, certainly in the, in the public sector, um, it's too much. And I think that and when you recognise that in yourself, you know, you've got a time expiry date. There have been exceptions where I have hung on, um, but that was purely because of the inertia. I thought you were going to say day right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all relative, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's um. It's it's a funny one. I yeah. I mean, I I, I knew quite a, a long time ago I wasn't going to be. Uh, fit for purpose after a certain period of time for varying reasons one my own lack of ability to sit tight long term uh, but also it's that energy and um, that energy and drive is you know it's it's unnatural in some respects uh, and so you can only push people so hard and so fast for a period before uh, you know business as usual needs to come out to play yeah, and I guess there's always that no money, no honey sort of aspect as well, Rachel. I hadn't thought of that, but yes. I <laughs> and what about from a personal standpoint, James? Is there a kind of personal transformation that you would like to share with us? Well, I, I think, actually, I mean, it'd be interesting to have your thoughts on this, but I, I realised probably about four years ago that I'm unemployable. <laughs> because... Oh, I could have told you that before then, mate. Oh, yeah, because there have there, been a, a number of times in my career where I had a sort of like a corporate type job where I just looked at people above me who are earning significant amounts of money who are just completely bloody useless. And invariably, I just couldn't keep my mouth shut and I would say something. And usually, you know, 
Um, honesty is probably isn't always the best policy on occasion, and, and a refusal to do something always offends. And I think, um, uh, and I, it dawned on me that actually um, I could do more good and have a greater impact if I'm outside of the organisation, because actually it makes it a lot less painful for both parties because there's a natural break when you're trying to do change, particularly at the pace with an organisation. And, and you can do that. And actually, um, it gives them a, a bit of a, a, an off-ramp that when it all gets a little bit heavy or things are a bit tricky, they can blame you for stuff. And, you know, you can act as a lightning conductor for all those things um, that, uh, that, you know, might be tricky for them as an organization and i think it's important that you've got characters like us who can then act as that lightning conductor get affect the change but at the, the when you know when the time is right hopefully at mutual sort of consent that you you have an amicable sort of departure um uh, and the only way you can do that is outside of an organization otherwise it just becomes too disruptive you know recruitment and notice periods and things like that whereas you know if if the time's right you know you can be gone the next day and that's okay so i guess that's in terms of personal transformation i guess that's that realization i'm unemployable there you go i'm not sure that's a good that, 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 <laughs> maybe that's how we'll advertise this podcast mate we're unemployable <laughs> the unemployables <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> you know you want us <laughs> why, why why not you know that reverse marketing approach yeah it's true and, and what about the one one final question james the wider political situation at the minute um you know well, i mean I, I'm, I'm sure you have a view um but but is that is that slowing down business change activity across government or is that just a bloody stupid question? No, it's a really good question actually. I think what it's done, irrespective of of your political views around it, is that it's shone a spotlight in on the need for. Um, the civil service, but more than that, the, the whole of the country to um, uh, accept change, e e even change that you might struggle with or not as the case may be, or the uncertainty, that you have to be unbelievably flexible and be willing to change your organisation a little or no notice. So I think actually in a weird, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? But in a weird way, I think it's actually demonstrated that um, uh, there's always going to be change. This is a particularly massive one. And I have to have to say all credit to um, the civil service, which is much maligned often in the press, uh, unfairly in my view, um, that they have absolutely accepted the change. They've, they've accepted the challenge and they are, and I see it all the time at the moment, they are changing plans, they are changing their operating models, the way they deliver, you know, not necessarily on a daily basis, but certainly sort of, you know, at every sort of changing sort of moment of, the, of, of what's happening in Parliament and, and the government. 
And I think that's testament to the amazing work that was done sort of getting on for nearly 10 years ago, um, which who knew was actually setting the civil service up, certainly in the digital data and technology world, of uh, uh, for agile, uh, um, not as a cult, but you know, as a way of working that we can actually adapt to that sort of massively changing environment. And I think it's really stood um, the civil service in um, you know good stead, really. And I, and, I, and um, so to answer your question, I, I, I think there's massive changes going on, and and I think on the whole, um, the, the civil service is holding up pretty well because of its uh, ability to adapt despite the sort of um, the, the uh, you know the general view uh, of um, you know bureaucracy and the like I think the reality is inside is that there's amazing capacity for change and that they are willing to change otherwise things would have come off the uh, you know the rails already and they and they haven't I'm not saying there isn't creaking but it's astonishing actually it's all, all, all credit to them I, I have to say. Yeah, it's um, it's it's funny. The majority of our work tends to be on the health side, um, more so than government at the minute. And uh, what we're not hearing, which which I did expect to hear, um, was nothing's moving, Brexit, it's all on ice. Um, you know, and and that isn't the case. Things are still moving ahead. People are still putting a shift in, um, and cracking on. And and the reality is, um. I guess why would you not? But also, I've I've certainly seen a lot of inertia in in government at various times. So you know, some would argue if ever there's an opportunity. But to your point, it doesn't seem to be taken. In fact, it's the absolute reverse. People are you know scurrying around trying to move stuff forward, almost despite the uh, you know the playground antics that are playing out on a regular in uh, you know political arena. And I think that goes back to the point. The reason I, f I feel um, quite strongly that, that the civil service uh, and, and sort of Whitehall in generally uh, is actually sort of delivering and coping with the, all the changes that are sort of upon them is because um, they don't do it for the money. Um, they do it because they care. They care about this country. They care about their communities, their families. The services that they provide, you know, and the NHS is an absolute sort of, you know, frontline classic, you know, people are doing it because they absolutely care and they want to make the, uh, you know, um, people safe, they want to make them better. Um, and, uh, and because of that passion um, uh, uh, for um, public service, I think, you know, that's why, um, you know, it's still delivering and it's still adapting to change because they can't, they feel they can't let down um, people who are usually interacting with government at the most vulnerable times of their their lives, whether they're, you know, they, they, they've been injured and they're interacting with the, the, the National Health Service, whether they, there's been some kind of incident, they're dealing with the criminal justice system, or, you know, I get quite emotional um, when I'm paying my tax. And, um, so, so do I, mate. Possibly for the same reason. It is, and and I think the reason you've got people who care passionately about delivering those services, they're aware of that, and they know if they get it wrong, they're going to make it uh, um, even worse. If if those public services fail, you know, usually at a time of of, of you know profound.
change for those individuals if they've lost their job or something or interacting with the Department of Work and Pensions. You know, it's a massive uh, thing. Uh, and uh, and if they have a, a, a poor experience when they're interacting with government through that sort of process, um, it's just going to make things worse. And and, and I think the reason the, 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 the civil service should be applauded is because all of those services are still running and then they're... they're um, provided by people who care on the whole passionately about the work they're doing and doing the best that they possibly can um, yeah I'm in awe of them actually brilliant I really appreciate your time and your uh, and your insights James thank you very much thank you